Well, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Working Within Season 3. This episode, I'm really excited to bring to y'all because we're almost like throwing it back to the past. The wonderful guest I have on the mic with us this week. Uh, She made my life very difficult and rewarding in undergrad. Uh, She's a very accomplished professor, entrepreneur, homemaker as well. Um, And it's just been really exciting to get to know her through my undergrad journey. Um, As you listeners know, there was a lot that I learned from school and after school. And HC has been there all along the way. Um, And today we'll kind of talk about, you know, her experience in entrepreneurship and her experience without it uh, and how she's kind of moved through those transitions. But um, I don't want to do her any disservice. We do have another Scorpio on the mic, so you'll likely see that dynamic pan out. Uh, But (laughs) HC, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Well, it's great to be here, Charlie. Um, I'm very excited for this new endeavor, and I'm sure all of your listeners are enjoying, you know, hearing how you think about things. I always do. Yes, I am a Scorpio, um, and I'm living in Berlin. I'm someone who had the opportunity to study a lot of political theory, and I like to build things, and I'm delighted to be here now. Yeah. Okay, but what else? That, okay. Listener, she does so many. Do <laughs> you want the biography? I wasn't sure what you wanted for for an introduction. Well, I wouldn't be unhappy if you told them about some of the topics that you um, lecture about uh, and, you know, some of your entrepreneurial pursuits that you've worked on in the past and now. Okay. All right. I wasn't quite sure how uh, inner life we were supposed to get, but I can I can show all the little stars on my jacket if you want. But I um, grew up in Canada, and I I worked um, in my twenties as a as a journalist, and while doing my doctoral studies in, in social political thought, <clears throat> doing a lot of critical theory and psychoanalysis. And then came to Berlin on an exchange program, fell in love with Berlin, totally exciting city at the intersections of just so many things that I thought was interesting at the time in terms of understanding Europe and in terms of understanding a new version of capitalism, in terms of understanding a very vibrant queer life and and cultural life and intellectual life here. Um, And then I built a boxing club. Mm-hmm. Which then turned into Box Girls, which turned into my social enterprise, which I got for which I got an Asocio, Ashoko, <laughs> Ashoka Fellowship, mm-hmm. and then worked at the university for a while here in Germany, and uh, won different prizes for our boxing programs. Uh, worked with activists in Kenya and South Africa to build them out. Learned a lot about what I wasn't doing right about it, but also really worked hard to try and advance. Um, work around girls' safety and girls' education. Um, did a bit of consulting for the German government, including in Afghanistan, which was pretty hardcore and very then depressing when things happened last summer <clears throat> in terms of um, seeing how everything kind of collapsed um, after a lot of people put a lot of work in. Mm-hmm. And then for the last few years, I've been working at WashU. Um, because they were looking, as compared to a German university, they were looking for people who had like hands-on skills as well as the academic training. Um, so I felt much better sort of at an American university. And then I also got to meet you. So that's kind of a bit of my background. And I, uh, yeah, I, I love 
solving problems. And I love thinking about um, different ways of approaching questions. And so entrepreneurship was kind of a obvious fit for me, maybe because I couldn't make it as a management consultant. I tried that for two years in my summers when I was 17 or 18 <laughs> and just realized I'm not the corporate type. But uh, it's important to learn that early. Yes. <laughs> but I've, uh, yeah, so that's where I am. And then we met over at the wonderful Olin Business School doing work on impact measurement, which I understand you're still kind of hooked into that, and some social entrepreneurship, and uh, just really have enjoyed, you know, your perspective on things. And so I'm glad to be able to join you on the podcast. Thank you, HC. And listeners, you have to know, you, I, um, <laughs> HC at one point told me to read the Bible, told me to read Freud. She's the reason I've read a bit of Freud. Like she is really into theory. And so um, I've learned a lot from her that way. Also, just very gritty, very intense, very Scorpio. She also has some Aries and Leo in there. So a little impulsive. We've talked about that. (laughs) But I've learned a lot from her about kind of being okay with facing fear. Uh, Because as many of you know, this podcast was uh, a bit impulsive in its own right and trying to get that started. So anyway, thank you for being here. Okay, now it's time to dig. That was probably that was probably the easiest question you'll answer today. So did good <laughs> on that one. Um, but I know we had a bit where we were just trying to figure out what to talk about. For those of you who don't know, HC has spent some time on an island in Germany, like making life herself and, and being self-sufficient. Um, and that all has come after a period of her grinding really hard, being a professor and an entrepreneur. And so we settled. I was like, this is not a political theory rant podcast. This is like, a, we want to get into your inner life. So I was trying to push her. Um, so I want to know what came up to you when we kind of decided that we would talk about like entrepreneurship, but also like being present and kind of appreciating nature, as you've mentioned. Well, it's interesting. I was on my island today um, that, we, that we'll talk about. And we were, and it's, it's interesting about this island is because um, there's only one year leases on it. And I think even the guy who holds the main lease doesn't actually have the paperwork for it. So it's all extremely contingent. And I'm putting in a lot of work, literally cleaning the basic ground, right? Taking glass out of the ground, taking nails out of the ground, raking the ground, making it a bit more flat making it a bit more clean, taking, you know, decades of garbage and stuff, moving it off, pieces of wood. And uh, I was talking with one of my neighbors, and he was also doing a bit of work. And I just said, well, I mean, even if we get hit by by a, a streetcar, at least, you know, we've been out on the island, you know. And a few of my friends were like, why are you putting so much work if you don't know if you're going to keep it? I'm like, this is how I'm kind of keeping myself sane during COVID. And I feel like I'm contributing in a way that I can to sort of my environmental goals as well, to return this beautiful island in in the middle of a German river connected to a beautiful lake near Berlin, you know, just to make it back to normal. And people had basically treated it a bit like a dump. Mm. And so when I think about returning to the present, I think about how do you, you know, how do I enjoy something like that where I'm literally, you know, making my hands dirty and 
you know, you know, recycling screws out of old wood to put up a fence to, you know, keep sheep away from my flowers? Or how do I, you know, <laughs> repair things which, you know, maybe other people didn't have the time to do? And um, another mm. good friend of mine uh, said it's like my cocoon because he's like, well, you've changed so much since mm. you've been out here. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, it's, you know, it's just totally changed the way you look at things. And I think it's, I think being in nature and I think doing manual work when that's not what you normally do. And when you can do it in a way, when you choose to do it, I know people with hard manual jobs might laugh to say, well, yeah, sure. It's easy. But like if, if my job's normally reading and working on a computer, then to do a few hours of manual work every day is very, um, it gives you a, a sense of recovery in a way, right? And so that when I think about returning to the present, I think about just, you know, how all of us, or actually I speak for myself, but I mean, how with all the stress of COVID and now the stress of the Ukraine war, which is like less than a thousand miles from here, um, you, you need other things to help you center yourself and to be able to be useful and to be able to... Mm concentrate so you can actually hopefully be useful also to other people mm, yeah useful i want to push back on that a little bit because um contributing yeah. to your community perhaps yeah. rather than useful could you tell us a bit more how you ended up at the island like that transition what caused it and yeah well, this is such a weird thing. And it's also interesting. It's like an island, right? It's like there's clearly a transition over the water, right? You can't just walk there, right? Mm -hmm. um, basically, I'm a sailor and I love water. And I think we're water signs, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Some Scorpio water sign. Oh, yeah. So I'm a water person. And, um, and so I wanted you know, like everybody in Berlin, you know, to have one of these little garden pieces you can have and they're impossible to get, <clears throat> but they're very cheap. But once you have them, you just get them to your friends. So like you can never buy one. Mm -hmm. And I was going around in an inflatable, larger, you know, fairly rugged inflatable boat with my girlfriend and um, her daughter. And we decided to stop at some, looking at all these homes, hoping someone would have like a for sale sign. But of course, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I was actually in a really bad mood, Charlie. I was feeling very envious and I was feeling very like, why do these people have them and why can't I just buy them? And why is it so not transparent? Yeah. And I was upset. But anyway, the, the, the daughter wanted ice cream and we saw a sign for ice cream. So we pulled into the side to this little, you know, side beside the river for ice cream, started talking to the guy. And we just kind of connected and he gave the daughter a free ice cream. And I'm like, Oh, you know, what, you know, asking him some questions, just trying to work my fundraiser magic on him. Um, but <laughs> because he said it was a club, right. But I could say, I'm like, Oh, well, I'm a nonprofit professional. How can I help? So anyway, um, yeah. So out of all of that, you know, he says, why don't you go take a look at the Island and see what we're doing. And I'm like, okay. So we looked at it and it was just, perfect and then I met another time and I'm like you know maybe we could work together on a project and then I could I thought maybe I could use the island for a few weeks and then literally we're walking around the island and he says oh I don't think this part is taken mm. right he's like I have to check I'm like could you check right now I'm like I'll, I'll take I'm just taking it yeah. so we got a piece and then we got another piece and then I just kept growing the piece by pushing all of the mess into a smaller and smaller spot mm. and that's how I got the island if you if you say got the island, well, I'm allowed to be there without anybody 
throwing me off. I'm not sure if I've got it. I definitely don't own it. <laughs> I have use of it until someone says no. So that's where it is. Heck yeah. And you've learned a lot, it sounds like, from your experience there. And the jealousy and envy that you mentioned, um, I want to like hang a flag on that because uh, I learned recently, and don't it's not me who originated this, um, but I heard from someone, I forget who, jealousy can really point you to what you should be doing. Um, because when we are jealous of people or things or circumstances, it just shows us where we have desire that is unfulfilled. That's why we're having the, such a strong reaction to it. And so to hear that you were jealous walking around before you actually had the island makes a lot of sense to where um, things lined up because desire creates uh, the future. Like what we want is, is what we put our energy toward. And so you did it. I agree. And I think it's also about your limits, right? We're going to talk about that too. When you think about jealousy or envy, which seems kind of unnecessary when you're over 50, hopefully that there's other, there's things you learn about yourself, but I've had a few times in my life where I've been extremely envious and it's interesting because I, I think it does give you a clue different than other forms of desire. Um, but I think what it is, is it shows you where your current limit kind of is. Or for me, I get envious or jealous when I'm like, I can't do that, right? Mm. Or I can't have that. Or what, I, what I'm bringing, if it's financial sometimes, right? I'm just like, I don't, you know, I can't, I can't pull that off, you know? Mm. And it's, it's, <laughs> this is going to sound arrogant, but it's rare, right? Because I don't have tastes, which are huge. And I, I have a lot of resources and a lot of self-belief to like push it, you know, but Aries. then when it's things like that, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, but this is what's interesting. Cause then it's the limit because then I'm like, what do I have to do to get one of these things for me and my family? Mm. You know, like, what does it have to be? Mm. And, um, yeah. And so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to, to feel that and then to get serious about, Okay, rather than being envious and looking through the glass and nose on the glass or whatever, you know, how do I figure out how to open this damn door, right? And or, or how do I get someone else even better to open it for me? And I think that if you just sort of stay in the comfort spot, or if you stay like a lot of Berliners sort of saying, oh, yeah, there's no way you can get one of those. And, you know, only if your grandma dies or something, maybe do you get a chance because mm -hmm. there's no way you can buy it, you know, that it was it was interesting for me to try and figure out how to how to do it and how to deal with all of the in incredible precariousness in this situation, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then also to realize I also don't want to drop a hundred, you know, not a hundred thousand, like $500,000. I don't want to own it either. Do you know what I mean? I, it's it's mm -hmm. not like owning it would be the answer either. So it's, it's been quite interesting to think about how I understand risk and how I understand as useful work. Mm -hmm. Right. Useful. As compared to, yeah, well, whatever. Could, yeah. Okay. I don't find being useful bad. <laughs> I think that especially, no, but Charlie, I mean, I think especially those of us who've had the opportunity, who are healthy, who've had the opportunity of an excellent education, who have the opportunity of being reasonably aware of what's going on in the world, mm -hmm. then, then I still do believe that it's important to contribute in the ways that we can to our communities yep. and not to be some sort of philosopher king who never goes back into the cave or doesn't give a damn, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, my, I'm good, you know? Like, I do think it's important that if you have more than other people got, 
than to share it out, you know? And then that to me means, means useful. It's like, how are you doing things that your community says, thank you for contributing because we needed someone to do it and you're the person and, you know, boom, now we can keep moving forward. Yeah. Anyway. Ah. There we go. Passion. The passion. Um, no, and hey, listeners, this is exactly why she's a professional professor. Professional? And <laughs> professional professor. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. In the Brown School of Social Work and teaching all the business students how to measure impact socially. So it makes sense. It's a fit. Um, I want to I'm trying to save them from the big banks, Charlie. So I succeeded with you, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go back to your point about limit testing because uh, when before, when, when we were still both on campus and the pandemic had not started, I remember we would talk about, you know, you considering retirement and also, um, but like really loving to work. Like you like to work, again, the word useful that you've already used twice. Uh, that theme I felt definitely back then as well. Like you're like, no, like, I like to do stuff like I like to ch- like have opportunities, attract them to me, chase them. Um, and to me, that kind of represents the more risky, daredevil ambitious, like motivated side of you, um, which is like very different, I suppose, um, agreeing with your friend from how you experienced life with your family on the island. And so could you just take us back to like the very um, intense period of your life where you felt like you were grinding and working on your um, pursuits and what you've learned? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I, just, just for, for uh, completeness, I do grind on the island. Most people have a tent on the island all right mm-hmm. i have three buildings on the island right i most people don't have a fence i have a fence right and i don't have any glass in my ground anymore so it's i i worked hard on the island but it was just a different sort of working it wasn't me on the phone or work in the room or writing whatever it was me literally there with a damn pitchfork uh, turning earth over and putting it through a say a sieve okay so okay. Just, just so that just so that ever, no one thinks i'm getting soft here even in my cocoon you know it's a beautifully beautiful woven poor charlie thinks i'm lost no Uh, i don't think you're lost i do not think you're lost just i've got the energy i mean i i was trying to think about that about what i could say i mean even as a very young person even in grade one right Mm. i was part of a running club Mm. and called the hundred mile club Mm. kids would run and you get little badges when you hit different mileages and my mom always tells this story about me about how when I was in grade one so I don't know how old that is six I guess mm-hmm. um I had a evil Knievel track suit right with like big big B on the front mm-hmm. and how I was at like 95 miles or something and I wanted to finish right wow. but I'm six and um so my mom's my mom's like well just do one and you can do some more after um you know tomorrow and i'm like no i want to finish now and so she you know you're six years old you don't run a mile in four minutes or something right so like she followed me around in her car because it got dark with her headlights so that i could finish my hundred mile thing which i think was six miles that i needed to run around our block which was like a measured mile somehow and and i think about that kid 
a lot when I think about all the other things I've been able to do and want to do. Um, you know, I was a boxer, like I boxed Olympic style boxing and I'm not like a super talented athlete. So that was a lot about will. Like a lot of this is just about will mm -hmm. and it's about wanting to be someone who does things and wanting to be someone who protects others or creates opportunities for others. Someone who wants to be free. It's very important for me to feel free. And so I want to have a strong body. I want to have uh, an educated mind, right? I want to be someone who, who knows how to talk about pretty much anything, you know? And I want to have the ability to give people jobs. I want my own job through my own power. Mm -hmm. And then I want to give other people jobs to create mm -hmm. stuff together. And then I want to be able to act on things which I think aren't right, mm -hmm. you know? And so I've built, you know, I've tried to build these things. And then that's one of the challenges as you get older is that one, you're kind of not exactly in a rut, but you are, you have actually cut a path. And so people see you a certain way, right? So mm -hmm. you met me as a professor and you know me as a professor. Other people might know me as a coach. Yeah. Somebody from way back when wrote me about being a photographer, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, and it's that, I love that. But it, it's hard to get beyond those specific things that you've been able to accomplish so far. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I think I, I like to, th I am a passionate person and I do give a damn. Mm -hmm. And I don't find some sort of Buddhi Bu um, Buddhist happiness and just being detached from all longing or something, you know. Yeah. I, I like being engaged. Mm -hmm. Intensely. Intently. With focus. Yeah. 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 Okay. You I mean, I don't see the point. I don't see the point just hanging out. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, if you're going to be with your friends and want to be chilling, then chill on purpose, kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. But not all of this kind of not giving a damn one way or the other, or like, oh, I don't care. That to me is just extremely boring and extremely wasteful. Ah, wasteful. Let's talk about that because I know that your time on the island also you have a perspective about like sustainable living. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, did that, did that change when you were making your buildings and fence on the island, not resting? And can you kind of like talk about some of those changes that you felt like you've gone through as a result of being so responsible for the infrastructure that you kind of had on the island? Yeah. Well, to begin with, we didn't have any power, right? So that made just building things hard, right? And um, and then I put together some solar stuff and then I realized this is awesome, right? You literally point these things at the sun and electrons move here and there and slowly but surely your battery gets loaded and then you get these little adapters and then you can hook up your tool to the battery and pull something heavy or whatever, right? Using a winch. Um, I didn't build anything new. I moved things to begin with. And then I was using a lot because it was kind of a bit of a garbage heap and um, people had been there before as campers. And um, also the guy across the water was building boats or building big, big rafts, actually. There's a lot of old wood. You know, I thought, for one thing, it's really hard to transport anything by canoe, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was just using everything that was there. Mm. And quite proud of myself because one, it was not expensive, obviously. And two, I was using things rather than throwing them away. And three, I was getting rid of the garbage, mm. you know, by building 
big decks and stuff out of old wood that was just a risk because of nails and everything. So I, I really started thinking about, and then of course, whenever I brought food over, I had to take all the plastic back. So I started really thinking about like, how much stuff do we use, right? How much of it can we make more simple so that we don't create so much waste? And even with power usage and stuff, if you have very limited amounts of power, like on a boat or on a living in a van or in my case, living on the island, you know, then you think about how do you do things more efficiently um, so that you don't have to like heat water twice or whatever. So mm. all of that made me think a lot about also how I was living in Berlin in my regular apartment, you know, and so then I, because I wasn't here all the time. So, you know, like in putting also solar here so that I can run like a small cool box just from that so I can turn off otherwise the part the, the power and the heat in the apartment so when I'm not here it's all like it's zero and then just my milk and everything keeps cold because of solar energy and just just realize I've never had a car right so I mean I just think it's important to try and you know be careful and to realize how much stuff is wasteful and coming from kind of like an upper middle class family and watching my brothers and sisters and just the sort of normal way that people consume gas and big houses and lots of stuff in houses. I just realized that I like to have comfortable things, but I don't need all of that. And it just strikes me sometimes as very wasteful, you know, and that people aren't necessarily happier having to clean a huge house or take care of God help me three houses or whatever, you know, so how do you prioritize you know and so that's mm -hmm. that's part of it and then you and I have also talked of just a bit about like how do you buy your time back by having by getting paid very well for what you do but then mm -hmm. saving like a huge percentage of it because then you can quickly get to the point where if you have a simple lifestyle um, that you can live then from your investments mm -hmm. and so that's something that I also really encourage creative people or activisty people to do is that they then can basically, you know, work hard for many years, um, but then be able to, you know, kind of go into retirement, as you said, or basically give themselves sabbaticals until they feel like they want to maybe work again. So that's also mm -hmm. about saving and being frugal. Yeah, definitely on my learning journey with that. I know you. we've talked about that a few times. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a very... A, it's a very mature frame to have, and I'm grateful that you told me about it. What exactly is the name of that? I, it's like a framework or concept by someone. What yeah, some people call it FIRE, mm. Financial Independence, Retire Early. Mm. And the point of it is, is to like, if there's really stuff you love to have, if you really want to buy beautiful clothes, then buy your beautiful clothes. But there'll be other stuff you don't care so much about and you just mm -hmm. kind of burn through the money right mm -hmm. and so it's more about like you talk a lot about also about mindfulness or being present it's like what are you giving this money out for and when mm -hmm. you think about how much time you took to earn it or, or when you think about maybe you want to take half the year off then certain purchases are kind of become silly mm -hmm. like i just realized how much money i was spending on on eating out mm -hmm. just because i was kind of lonely in the city i was in and I wanted to kind of hang out with people. And so I was spending, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month just eating very good sushi, but just hanging out. Well, there was no way I didn't, there's no way, I, that was more of an emotional need as compared to an actual thing I needed to spend money on. And when I realized that and fixed it, I had all that extra money. And so I think there's lots of things we spend money on because of some other reason than that we need it. 
you know, and and because our whole time is is around earning money, most people think about money earning money through giving their time. And I realized this is an extremely privileged position, but like I worked in nonprofit and earned about 50,000 a year until a few years ago, you know, so, but now that I am earning a lot of money, then my tiles, what I need to have didn't change. And so it's important just to save it because then you completely change how much time you need to work and you can choose to work, but why not have that freedom? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a way to, you know, to rethink about work. You know, you don't have to do it for money then anymore. You do it because it's what you said is your own priority. You've talked a lot about willpower. And as Scorpios, we have a lot of that. Um, almost too much to the to the point where people are scared of it, can be scared of it, don't understand it, project a lot onto it. Um, and I know in my experience, like my willpower when I was younger, my dad, he would contest it because he knew. Like when I was young, we would argue so much because I'd just like poke holes in all of his arguments, like really spitefully. You know, it was good jest. It's helped me a lot now. Um, and then I got to school and it looked like a lot of like leadership positions because um, I just felt very passionately about things and would, would move toward them. And similarly, as almost like was seen as a. I, really a rebel but like I, I feel like that was projected onto me as well in business school like not fitting the exact business um caricature and then I feel like it, it follows me now because like for instance this podcast in addition to working full-time in addition to like trying to have a life I feel like um willpower whether received well or poorly um has been a big part of what I've realized I have a lot of myself um, just because, you know, I want to do what I want to do. And so with that, though, comes the challenge of trying to balance my time or being really burnt out because I think I'm invincible or um, just kind of like uh, being seen also, especially as a woman, as a black woman, um, as dominant or bossy or um, even power hungry even though it comes from a place of just wanting to make what I want into what I want to create exists in the world. So I'm wondering like, what challenges, if any, have you had with kind of like managing your willpower, whether it was um, causing you to like burn out or whether it's creative reactions in other people and, and how have you managed that all this time? That's a great question. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, I think, I think for me, part of my willpower is also my ability to concentrate on mm. something and to realize much like an athlete or as an athlete, that was used to be one of the ways I would, you know, define myself, um, to bring like the pressure to bear on a specific point, you know, and to like ignore other information mm. and to be able to really zero in and just do stuff mm. and uh um whether it be like in boxing where you had to really just apply pressure and just keep him and you're just as tired as the other person but you have to just keep on applying pressure um or a lot of my success and the sort of my businessy types of things has been about just being quick and then being relentless just mm. not giving up 
or other people would give up or other people would be like, we're going to miss the train. Like that's always my metaphor. It's like German trains are like 99% on time, but every once in a while they're late or, or your, 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 your clock is wrong. Your watch is wrong. So I'm like, run, right? Either you're going to run now for like two minutes and maybe then you save four hours because you make the train and people are like, we're not going to make the train and the trains are already gone. You know, I'm like, nah, I'm going to run, you know? And then three quarters of the time I'm on the train. You know, and other people are like, I don't know, drinking a coffee, enjoying themselves at the at the train station, waiting for the next train. But I'm like, I got the train next, you know, yeah. and and some of that, <laughs> some of that is helpful. Some of that are people are like, look, my girlfriend's good with that because she's like, look, I've got a kid. I'm not going to run, mm. you know, so we're not we're on the next train. We're mm. on the next train. Um, and and also with entrepreneurship. Right. You and I've been talking about that. And I'm doing some work, you know, with the African-American community and other people who've been kind of excluded or not thought about, not kind of excluded, directly excluded and not thought about in terms of the programs. And then to realize that what I see as a risk and what somebody else sees as a risk is, of course, very different based on the supports that we have, mm -hmm. you know. And so to talk about entrepreneurship um, for people who have um not the same supports then what's already risky becomes insanely risky right mm -hmm. um and so for me to realize how what i saw other people being kind of not as committed as me you realize it's not about commitment just like my girlfriend with her daughter who's not gonna be able to run up four flights of stairs carrying something um that's not a lack of commitment that's just like accepting that reality mm. and so i think that i have sometimes challenges because i don't accept the current reality it's my strength and my challenge but i don't accept the current reality and i try and bend it and sometimes mm. it does bend Mm. Right. And then I'm like, great. Wow. Now we have a girls sports program or now we have a budget for something which didn't exist. Or now we have, you know, whatever talking about, you know, homosexuality in Kenya when we're trying to do sex ed or whatever, you know, like you, you make something happen. Mm. Um, and so that's satisfying. But other times, because your will or my will uh, and my intellect allows me to imagine a different reality then when I can't create it, that I feel very defeated. A lot of people would have been like, how could you ever have thought that that would have worked? Because I'm like, well, I've done other stuff that's crazy. You know, so, so, so that's part of, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and more importantly, you know, I'm committed, right? And so then if you're kind of a committed entrepreneur, then there's not that much you can't actually do. Um, I mean, I think that, of course, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, I think, you know, I, I had a lot of trouble in, in school and high school, you know, just because I wasn't, you know, an easy person for other kids, you know, I wasn't sort of at the same levels. Right. I and imagine. so I, I it's funny, it's funny now, it's funny now, but like I was bullied and everything. It was nuts, you know, and then university was good. Um, and then joining a weird group of pirates like the Ashoka Fellowship is also good because you realize there's other crazy people like you trying to do things this way. Um, but there's there's skills that I'd like to have, but I, I learned from my friends how to be better at it. And I, I realize, again, willpower is useful. But as you get older and, and, and I'm finding my energy level is not as much as it used to be, then it's frustrating because your will can again see something 
or your intellect can see something, can see an opportunity, or your entrepreneurial skills see an opportunity, but just to get your butt out of the chair to go do it is harder than it used to be, you know? Um, so that's something I'm also having to, to learn to deal with is to, I almost want to, sh sh you know, sh shade my eyes sometimes because I see lots of stuff, but I can't Aries. act. <laughs> yeah. Aries, Scorpio. I'm not Aries. I'm a Scorpio. Why you is know, this Aries? You have an Aries rising and a Leo moon. Do I? Yeah. Oh, wow. Or the okay. other way around. I forgot to check. I don't yeah. Know. We talked about this. This is working within, we, so we talk about that. But no. Um, I'm happy to. Happy to. Willpower. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with everything <laughs> you said. Um, it's like you see something and you want to make it happen. And it works a lot of the time because of the commitment, because of like the obsessive attention that you give it, I give it. For instance, for me, it's, that, it's the podcast. Like I give it an obsessive attention after a long week of work, you know? And that's just what it is because I see it. And so... Um, but yeah, absolutely not the most healthy way to live. I will absolutely own that. But, but what, what does healthy mean? You know, but what does healthy mean? You know, you know what I think about sometimes what? is, okay, first of all, healthy should mean something. But what I do think about sometimes is I do not want to be the dog who's chasing the damn car, right? Mm. Okay. You don't want to be on automatic. Mm. You don't want to be yeah. like, oh, I see it. And so I run, you know, mm. you don't want that. You want to have enough, um, ability to discern you want to have enough discernment to think if i get up and run after that thing i will catch it yes. and also to think do i want that thing even rather than i'm just going to prove how fast i can run or what a good hunter i am it's like you charlie and me cameron thinking okay you know do i actually want that thing or do i just want to show off or what the hell am i getting out of bed for for this you know and then to save your energy and also your friend's nerves for you being so crazy, you know, <laughs> to, to, to save it for when it really matters, you know? I know. My friends are constantly checking. They're like, how much have you been working <laughs> lately? Like, have you been resting? Like, that's what they ask. People. That's good. That's good. You have to have good friends. You, that's, that's, that's love, Charlie. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. No, it is good to have good friends. And I hear you mentioning a bit about energy management, which is also important. Um, one, like for your environment, so having good friends and people that are supportive of your tendencies. <laughs> and also um, <laughs> making sure that you kind of like have your own mind, right? That's another part of your environment because your mind is a big, you know, that's your home in a lot of ways. And so making sure that that place is supportive and not so responsive and not um, drawn to everything and or maybe drawn to things that aren't serving, you know, your energy or your wishes for yourself. Because when you do have yeah. willpower, but it's not direct. In my experience, when I do have willpower and when I know I can work hard on something, I will go somewhere um, and, and, ch and chuck and look up and be like, why did I do that? And so um, other experiences have taught me to kind of like orient my willpower to things I care about, which is kind of how I ended up where I am now and also with this podcast. Yeah. What what do the listeners need to walk away from this with? You think I uh, to recap what I heard us talk about? We we started with uh, thinking about like self sufficient living and um, your road from entrepreneur to island renter, and then we had like a really I think um, unexpected but very like thoughtful discussion around willpower. 
And so like out of everything we've just talked about, what would you want listeners to take away from this discussion? Well, when I was a boxing coach, we talked a lot about how to kind of achieve peak um, intensity and then being able to recover within a minute. Scorpio, right? yeah. So with bo- yeah, but no, but within boxing, you need to work at like your limit, your anaerobic limit for two minutes as women was two minute rounds. And then within a minute, drop your heart rate down so that you could start again and do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot about that. I think about how do you, and also with like sports science, right? We think about, you know, maximum power, maximum weightlifting or whatever, and then, and then complete relaxation of the muscle, maximum contraction, yeah. the ma- maximum relaxation. Yeah. And, and so I used to always be working on the maximum exertion part, right? Mm-hmm. I worked on, you know, working right at that anaerobic limit where you're about to pass out. And then I realized when I was a coach, I couldn't realize it as an, as an athlete, but later as a coach, I realized it's equally important to be able to very quickly drop your heartbeat, right? Be able to drop the intensity, to be able to recharge yourself. Mm-hmm. In a boxing bout, it's very clear, right? You're either on or you're recovering. You're on or you're recovering. And and I just think for those of us who are, maybe we say willpower, we could also say stubborn or focused or, or, or you know, clear on the goal. Yeah. I think for those of us who are you know, trying to work on ourselves, who are trying to, you know, achieve things, who are trying to know ourselves, who are trying to contribute, you know, that there's no shame in being invested and being intense and wanting things, you know, and and working and caring one way or the other Mm -hmm. and working hard on them. Mm -hmm. But it's equally important for long-term success and also for winning the damn thing, Mm -hmm. um, as in boxing, is to learn to relax, right? To figure out what that is that allows the tension to leave your body, which allows your heart rate, your heart rate to go down. And and so I think about the boxing metaphor a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the island and just like looking at little birds, you know, swimming in the river or looking mm-hmm. at the plants come or looking at the trees change or even just getting rid of more garbage. That's kind of my way to, to relax and to feel mm-hmm. thankful for nature and wanting to take care of it more and how that then gives me energy the other stuff because i'm not just in the relaxing mode i'm at the trying to get the right balance back and forth so i I hope i hope those people who get to enjoy your podcast can think about you know what helps them raise up their enthusiasm raise up their energy make them feel challenged and encouraged to try something new and to work with others to achieve things Mm -hmm. and then also to find the things which you know give them that rhythm and give them that ability to relax and to recharge and to refresh themselves Yeah, I love that. And it's so funny because like, it's hilarious that I have a wellness podcast because I actually like spend so much of my time working like, and, but it's not even like punishment. Like I really am motivated by the things I like to put my energy into. And so I really appreciate Mm -hmm. you saying that because, you know, part of the pod is to be like, okay, just have greater self-awareness and know what you need and know what you need to be motivated but also it is about, you know, knowing what you need to like have be restored. And so I think you just capture that really well. Um, and I also loved the boxing metaphor. It We are on the same wave and that's why we're recording today. And that's why we're friends anyway. <laughs> but you talking about boxing, like I recently started going to the gym and to lift heavy weights. Like that's what I've been doing. And it feels great uh, because it's like I am peak performance. Like when I'm like trying to max out on my weights in my 
legs are shaking or my arms are shaking, mm-hmm. that is like mm-hmm. really rewarding because, you know, I tell people it teaches me how to win. When you're lifting weights, it teaches you how to win because you have to lift, you have to breathe, you have to give all mm-hmm. your might because it's the last set and you've been lifting on it already and you've increased your weight. And that is how life is. Um, and so that's taught me a lot. At the same time, I have to be more okay with like having rest days and not shaming myself. So it's a balance um, and it's a very real balance. And that's why we have Working Within because we have these conversations and we talk about like the ideal um, way to live and the ideal rest and maybe some ways you might motivate yourself while acknowledging that no one is perfect. I'm not perfect. The guests are not perfect. And we're all working on this together, which I think makes it very relatable, at least I think, and, and hopefully really useful to use your word. For the audience so thank you <laughs> thank you charlie of course so last question this actually is probably easier than the intro question but how should audience members seek to connect with you i know you don't email back very quickly because you always ignore my emails and texts but like if someone was really interested by something you said how should they look you up how should they look me up well, one of my current projects is called girlsinthelead.org, which is um, a bunch of different girls sports for development organizations around the world and a learning community. So if people want to check that out, they can um, connect with us or, again, anybody close to Washington University in St. Louis would also be able to find me. And I'm happy to, uh, yeah, just yeah, reach out through that. You'll be able to I'm not, re- I'm not really on social or anything cute like that, but uh, I think I'm findable. <laughs> Girlsinthelead.org. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. I'll throw your LinkedIn in there too. Do you check LinkedIn? Perfect. Yeah. About once every quarter. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I well, have a job. <laughs> all right. All right. We get it. No, thank you so much. Plus I'm old. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Age is a mindset. Okay, well, thanks for coming on the show, HC. You taught us a lot. Thank you for reaffirming a lot of things and, and sharing a lot of your wisdom. I always need to hear what you have to say. So thanks for sharing it more widely. I hope a lot of other people get to hear what you said today. Um, otherwise, like, let's keep talking about this. Maybe you'll come back and we'll have another segment. But thank you for your time today. And thank you listeners for tuning in. <laughs>